Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach, brought to you by the TeacherCast Educational Network. If you are in charge of professional development and looking to build an innovative digital learning experience, this is the podcast for you. Join us each week as we uncover strategies that tech coaches are using to drive their digital transformations one classroom at a time. And now for your host, with over two decades of experience working with tech coaches and edtech companies from all around the world, Jeff Bradbury. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is Ask the Tech Coach podcast, episode number 163. And today we're going to be talking about an amazing project-based learning application called Tract the world's first peer-to-peer learning platform. I am so excited about this episode today. Today, you can think about as the second part of a show that happened last week. We had our good friend James Fester on last week to talk all about project-based learning in the science department. And so many of you guys reached out and said, I want to learn more. So many of you guys in the TeacherCast Tech Coaches Network reached out and said, how can I get my teachers into this? What are the great platforms? How do I do this easier? Today, I have a great show for you. You do not want to miss the interview today with our two guests. They're absolutely inspiring, absolutely amazing. And you don't want to miss the last conversation that we had just at the end as we showed off today. So check out the whole episode today. Make sure that you come back to hit the end of this because it is great. Don't forget all the great stuff we have going on over on our TeacherCast Tech Coaches Network. You can find out more information and sign up for free over at askthetechcoach.com. And of course, while you're over there, you can check out all of our blogs. We do launch this podcast every single Monday morning at 6 a.m. And would love to feature you guys on it. So if you're interested in being a guest on the show, we would love to have you. My first guest today is CEO and co-founder of a great application called Track. As I mentioned earlier, the first of its kind peer-to-peer learning application for project-based learning. I want to bring on today my good friend, Mr. Ari Memar. Ari, how are you today? Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach. I'm great, Jeff. Thanks for having me. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be here, and I'm excited to talk uh, all things PBL today. I am so excited to have you on here. As I was saying at the beginning of the show, you know, we are all about project-based learning. We did an amazing show last week, all about it, and you know, we had these guests that said, "I want to learn more. How do I do it? Where do I go?" And I am so excited to have you on today. You created an amazing application, amazing platform, I should say, called Tract. Tell us a little bit about Tract. Well, first and foremost, I mean, I've been doing project-based learning before it had a name or I even knew what it was. And I was doing that in Esther's classroom. And so I'm excited to see how the community has grown around it and if people have accepted project-based learning as just a great way uh, to learn, and it's really more of a journey. I actually, I, I, I stole this phrase from Glenn Warren and Encinitas. It's a PB and J, a project-based journey, more so than than learning, because a project ends, but a journey continues. And so that's very much the way that I've thought about Tract, and even starting Tract is, you know, how can we get students who are not necessarily sure what their passions are, not necessarily sure the real world applicability of what they wanna do or what they're interested in, but have this strong desire and motivation to be creators and influencers and are consuming content on TikTok and YouTube. How can we repurpose that motivation and combine it with project-based learning? And that's what really excites me because 
actually creating on the internet in this new media world is not too different than project-based learning. I would even argue it's the same. It's the uh, digital version, the information version of project-based learning. And that's what Track's all about, bringing project-based learning to the 21st century and making it really accessible and malleable to the information age. You know, last week we were sitting down, we learned about project-based learning as not just being a teacher doing a series of projects, but really, as you mentioned, taking students on that journey, giving them goals, giving them authentic things. The website I want you guys to be paying attention to today is teachercast.net slash tract. That's teachercast.net slash T-R-A-C-T. And Ari, when a teacher goes to tract, um, what can they find? What is it all about? What is that journey you're going to be taking those students and teachers on? Well, first and foremost, I want to just recognize how difficult it is to do project-based learning. I think oftentimes we tiptoe around that. It takes a lot of time from teachers. It takes a lot of personalization to make it relevant and authentic for each individual who, by the way, is different. Each classroom has 24 different personalities, 25 different personalities, 25 different types of interests. And so we recognize that, but we also recognize that there's an incredible uh, leverage when you crowdsource to students. And so for teachers, what they can expect is you log on to Tract. You provide your students access to Tract. All they need is a connected device in the internet. That's it. And through that experience and through that structure that we provide, you can expect that they're going to be able to start to take project-based classes and hopefully start to make project-based classes. And that's what is really exciting for me is that, uh, you know, at a refugee camp that just turns on in the inter just turns on the internet or a school for the first time that has access to a connected device this kind of structure will work because there's so many things out there that are digitally native creative free to access but they're not necessarily structured in a way that's ready to use for teachers and ready to use for kids and that's exactly what we do you have an amazing story, Ari, where you were inspired by somebody that you grew up working with. Tell us a little bit about that story, and would you please do us the honor of introducing our second guest today? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm the only CEO, founder, partner with a former teacher who is more than twice my age. I think that's pretty unique. Um, it may exist. If, if it does exist, I haven't quite heard of it. I think I'm the only one, one of, one of a billion. Um, but what I can tell you is I, not so different than many other people, fell into a career in STEM. I was good at math and science. It, I just kind of followed it. But through that experience, I learned the more years I was in the corporate world, my passion, my internal motivation was always around teaching and helping kids. My first job was as an art and science camp counselor. And one day I turned 30 and I kind of looked in the mirror and said, could I be doing more? Is there a better use of my time? And that led me back to Esther. Esther was the best teacher I ever had. And she really impacted me in the way that so many amazing teachers impact their students around the world every day. And so I told her, I was like, what do you think? Like, I want to learn more, what do I do? She invited me to her nonprofit. I spent about a year and a half just a fly on the wall. That fly on the wall got louder and louder and started coming up with ideas. And eventually, 
you know, she put the confidence in me to say, Hey, I think we could do this together when I had an idea and she believed in me, even though I'd never started a company and I had no experience in education. So I think that's, that, that's a testament to, to her and the power of the way she teaches and the way she builds confidence in her students. So Esther, I'll hand it over to you. Thank you so much for that incredible introduction. And I'm really honored and proud of you, Ari. I think I'm so excited to be doing this, going on this journey with you with Tract, and helping teachers and students literally all over the world. And that's my goal is what you talked about earlier. What can we do to make project-based learning easy for teachers to do in the classroom so they don't have to work like crazy beforehand to make it work. And I know what it's like because I started teaching in 1984 and that's what it was like. You know, you spent a lot of time preparing all that. And then I continued all the way, you know, until I retired in 2020. Um, I continued doing that, although I switched from just doing a little bit to doing all project-based learning and I focused completely on journalism um, but I did the same thing in my English class, projects for kids. They loved it. I did the same thing in social studies. I taught U.S. history, same thing. And shockingly enough, I even did it in math. Mm -hmm. Can you believe that? Yeah, crazy. But, you know, I figured I had nothing to lose. Might as well try it because the kids didn't like math anyway. And now I wanted to make them like it. So, well, Esther, I want to say welcome to the show. And I just so I can... Uh... To, to share a little bit more of your accomplishments. I think you're being a little too humble on where you are. You are known as the godmother of Silicon Valley because of the number of highly successful students that you've had an opportunity to work with, much like Ari. Uh, Co-founder, of course, of Tract Learning, founder of the largest scholastic media program in the U.S. at Palo Alto High School, 2002 California of the Year, two Teacher of the Year, 2009 MacArthur Foundation Research Fellow. Uh, you hold three honorary doctorates, which I am so would love to talk about because I'm currently working on earning my first. I'm, I'm trying to get my first as well. So that's two of us. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at starting the journey uh, right now. You're also the author of Moonshots and Education, a great book, and also another book called How to Raise Successful People. Um, and on top of all that, you are the mother of the YouTube CEO, the 23andMe CEO, and also a Fulbright scholar. I'd like to welcome officially to the program, Ms. Esther Wojcicki. I think I have that right. Am I close? Well, you're close. Very close. Wojcicki. Wojcicki. I want to oh, thank and I want to welcome Esther Wojcicki to the program. Esther, thank you guys all so much. And, and I really want to ask you here, Esther, of all the things that an educator needs to be thinking about, worrying about, lesson planning it out, why is project-based learning so important to it, it, to put into our curriculum? It is because, let's just face it, you can't learn to swim by watching me swim. You can't learn to ride a bike by watching me ride a bike. You have to do it. And you can't learn to write by watching me write. And that's, a, it's, doing all this is not theoretical, it's real. And so I learned this many years ago and that's what I've been trying to give my students, the opportunity to do it. I don't just tell them what it takes to be a leader. I let them do it. 
And that's what it takes to learn to be a leader. You actually have to be in class and be in a leadership role, make mistakes, figure out how to work well with people. That is what it takes. And so project-based learning enables teachers and students to have the necessary opportunity to do it and learn it. You never forget something that you learn via project. But I can tell you, everything you memorized in that language class that you took, I can tell you, you forgot it. <laughs> I, I have a problem. And I, I want to ask you about this problem. I, I'm, a, I'm an instructional coach in an elementary school right now. And I was working with a teacher um, on a STEM project in fifth grade. And she was helping her students create catapults. And the students didn't really know what a catapult was, but they were given popsicle sticks and, and spoons and they had to build this catapult. And, and their first goal was take these things and put them together to make a catapult. And they spent some time and put it together. And then the teacher brought me in and we decided to figure out, okay, what works, what didn't work, can it shoot, all those different things. And I came up with this project-based solution of do we let them keep trying and trying and trying or do we show them what a catapult actually looks like and says, aim your thoughts on that? So my question for you, Esther and, and Ari, when we're looking at project-based learning, should we give them a blank canvas, maybe a blank canvas at first? Do we show them where the end zone is and tell them to go reach for it? What is the best way to set students up to for success, but also to be universally amazing thinkers on their own? What I would do in that case is I would give kids an idea of where they're going. So I show them a little bit about the goal. And then I would say how to get there is varied. You can have a lot of different paths to reach that goal. And so what you want, the way you want to do it is up to you. If you fail the first time you do it, no problem. You know, that's what school's for. If you don't fail, you don't belong in school. You're already done. So <laughs> that's my story. <laughs> and so I would give them then opportunity later on to come up with, to modify the goal if they wanted to. But they should start with some idea of where they're going. And it, it helps them. And that's what I did actually when I was teaching Adobe, the Adobe Creative Suite to all the students. I said, this is where we're headed how you get there is a different story. There's a lot of paths to getting there. Let me answer in a slightly different way, just to add on to what Esther said, which is why? Like, why should I care about this? And why is this something we're doing? And when we've, when we've thought about how do students teach on track, because they're teaching each other, one of the most important things we emphasize is the storytelling and the why. Because if you're just telling someone to do it, you end up in this very uh, rigid student-teacher relationship where it's like, well, this teacher's not gonna do this assignment. They're just giving it to me arbitrarily. What's the real world applicability of what I'm doing? But if you understand the why, then all of a sudden everything else kind of comes into place. You understand, okay, well, I want to put in the effort. I want to learn more of how this works. But that's a big, big important step. And that really is like the first step and if someone is not inspired or excited or engaged at the first step, everything else, in my opinion, just kind of topples over. So yeah. it's about the storytelling. It's about giving them those authentic opportunities to learn and learn for themselves. Exactly. Absolutely. 
How do you teach a teacher that, right? Like our audience today is tech coaches. We're the ones that, you know, maybe we know about PBL, maybe we're learning about PBL, but we're the ones that have to go into those classrooms and say, hey, have you thought of, or maybe we don't even label it. We just go, here's an idea. Let's run with this together. How do you sell this concept of doing this to a teacher who might be stressed this year, struggling this year, not sure? What advice would you guys have for the coaches out there that really want to bring something different into their schools? So my answer is going to be a little radical here. So that's hard to tell you, warning you in advance. So I think the number one thing facing most teachers are the test scores. They're teaching to the test. And so I would say to the teachers, forget the tests. What the kids missed all last year was not the memorization because they're going to forget it anyway. What they missed is interacting with other kids. Yeah, It's the social emotional skills. And that's what they get with project-based learning. They're working together with other kids and they're achieving a goal. And they learn the soft skills that are actually more important than learning all those facts that you can look up on your phone. You don't need to memorize. So that's what I would like to suggest. It's also easier for teachers if they just have their kids do the track projects because they don't have to do all that work in advance. Just let the kids go and let them do it. Now, you don't do have to do it all the time, of course. My theory is do it 20% of the time. It's like 20% creative time or genius hour or whatever. And then it's not a threat to the system, not a threat to the testing, not a threat to anyone. And it makes your life and the kid's life better. Well, Ari, let's talk a little bit about that, because for many coaches, they are trying to find that solution to bring innovation into the classroom. And that's where Tract comes in. And I love the fact that anybody can sign up for this. And there's something for everybody, isn't there? Talk to us a little bit about some of the things that you can find and how the system works. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just as a, just to build a little bit off of what Esther said, you know, we're in a economy now where it's all about creativity. You know, creativity is the new productivity, but if school, the number one place where you spend your time as a, as a kid does not give you the option to develop that skill. And in fact, sometimes takes away your natural creativity that's a big risk, especially in an economy where we're more globally connected and we're more dependent on creativity. Now, in Track's case, we are the de facto place to practice creativity. We are the de facto place to build your creativity muscle. But for teachers, what they can expect is they have full control over how that experience is delivered to their students. We can't represent knowing your students as well as any teacher. They know the culture that they've set, they know the students that they have on, a, on an individual level. But what we can tell you is this process of creating, learn, create, share, teach, it's a universal process and it works across all different types of interests. It's not specific to one subject, it's not specific to one technology, uh, and it's the process that the uh, platform enables. Now, when you look at different products out there that kids want to use, TikTok, YouTube, Roblox, the common thread is freedom of choice, freedom of expression, and an unadultered space to be free, 
Now, on the flip side, when you look at those products, what you also see is they were not intended to be educational. They mm. drive towards pure shock factor and they're addictive and they don't necessarily proliferate the right behaviors and they have a lot of unintended consequences. So in Track's case, we've designed very intentionally to ensure that the process of content creation is in fact research-based, fact-based, creative, but also still fun. And the student teachers you can expect to see on Tract are actually positive role models. I call them creators of substance. They're not out there trying to be Insta models or selling you products you don't need. They're just authentically like care about a, an important topic and want to teach. Now, we mentioned at the top of the show that it's a peer-to-peer learning platform and, and you know, eight years old and up for project-based learning. Now, I can only say that, you know, my triplets are going to be eight years old in November. This platform is something I'm definitely going to be uh, giving to them as a birthday present, as you will. And... I can easily see all the different activities here because number one, they're easy to use. They're fun. There's, they're very colorful. I can see somebody who's my kid's age looking at this and going, I can spend some time on here. What is it about the platform that brings kids back and keeps them engaged in the learning? I think first, the, the number one thing we hear is this is fun. And when you unpack fun, it means they love the videos. They love the student teachers. They love the feedback. Uh, we have a gamified system, so they love earning coins and getting awards. So th there's a lot of different things in there, but it really is I'm able to learn more about something I'm interested in, and through the process, I'm creating something I'm proud of, and I'm being recognized for what I'm creating. And as an eight-year-old, of course, teaching a subject you're an expert in is a very daunting task to, to, to start as kind of like your day one. And, and most eight-year-olds don't do that on day one. But as an eight-year-old, it is motivating to know that the steps I'm taking now in building my communication skills, my video editing skills are all leading up towards becoming a teacher, a creator, an influencer. And that's something that is really motivating. I mean, I'm sure you guys have read a lot of the studies, but you know, 75% of kids want to be vloggers, YouTube creators, TikTok creators when they grow up. And when you read that, you could be shocked and scared and like, what is happening to society? But I actually read that is there is now an acceptance for artists and these artists can make money. And that didn't exist before. Before you had struggling artists and now you have thriving artists. And so that's naturally going to gravitate a whole lot of human energy and interest. And that's exactly what's happening. And so what better way to practice those skills, those digital creation skills, those communication skills, those creativity skills, than to learn it through creating something uh, in the form of a project on a topic that you authentically care about. Maybe you didn't even know you cared about it, right? Like maybe you were just introduced to it because you saw a catchy thumbnail or trailer uh, that, that, that brought you in. So th that, that, that's what we hear a lot from the kids that they just, they, they love what they're seeing. They love what they're creating. It's fun. Uh, they love the gamification. Um, but, 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 but that is kind of like, you know, a lot of different things go into it being fun. Esther, what's your thoughts on all this? What advice do you have for any teacher who might want to dip their toe into this? Not quite sure. You, we do hear a lot of teachers saying, Oh, I don't know about that. So I'm not going to give it a try. 
So I would say that they should take a risk. It's a very, it's an easy risk because it only takes a small percentage of the school day. We're not trying to change the whole thing. Yep. We're just trying to create, have a creativity hour. It's easy to do. They can do it once. And if they don't like it, they can like put a, you know, modify it. If the kids like it, they can do it again. They can do it for 20% of the time. They can do it 10% of the time. It's really flexible. And so, you know, teachers need time off. I know, having been a teacher for 40 years, you know, every minute of that class period, you know, it's kind of stressful for teachers. It'd be great if they could have like just a little bit of time off where kids are actually engaged in doing something that they really like. And then the teacher can just go around, maybe you can work with kids that need special help, or you can sit there for a bit and take a rest, which is like, a, it's a very unusual moment. And so that's what I would say, try it out. You know, it's not a big risk, just try it. And the that's what I would recommend. The website is tracked.app, or you can also find more information over at teachercast.net slash tracked. And Esther, I want to ask you a couple of questions here about your educational background. You've now had the opportunity to do some amazing things in the classroom and out of the classroom. What was it about Ari that made you say, okay, this is an amazing opportunity. I believe in this. Let's do this together. What, what, what was it about Ari and his future CEO wisdom? Well, well, first of all, he was always a good student, and I enjoyed being with him. One of the main things is that he's a real critical thinker. He's very, a, really good at thinking critically about all things, differentiating what's important from what's not important. But then the other thing, he's a great leader, people leader. And that is key. And I think he learned a lot of those skills actually in my class, but he then perfected them after he graduated from college, maybe even in college, you know? So people like being with him and so do I. I really like being with him. And so that's one of the things I thought, well, you know, I wanna do something to help teachers, to help students. And if I have to do it, might as well do it with somebody I really like. And so that's how I decided to work with Ari. And, and so you brought Ari onto your nonprofit. Is that the way that the story goes? Well, he 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 volunteered. He came over to one of my nonprofit meetings, or maybe a few of my nonprofit meetings, and he sat there very quietly. But honestly, he took the best notes I have ever seen. <laughs> And he then gave me incredible feedback. And it was like he was sitting there quietly thinking the whole time. It was like, God, that's incredible. So then I, I was able to do more things just as a result of having him there in the meeting and working with the people. Some of the people on my board are like really distinguished educators. And, you know, they were giving me good feedback, but Ari was like off the charts. So um, that's part of what helped me a lot. My nonprofit's still there, Global Moonshots in Education. We're trying to figure out how we can help more teachers be independent thinkers themselves and also do project-based learning in the classroom. So we're working on that. Ari, that's a pretty amazing story. That's a pretty amazing journey. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's definitely unique. That's for one. And I can't say I ever expected to have been doing this either. It just kind of 
felt like it all came together, like so many external factors where, okay, COVID hits, we'd somehow reconnect. We start talking about this. Esther retires. I'm no longer working at my previous job. Like all these things kind of happening in like a few months, right? So it's it's kind of crazy. Stars aligned. (laughs) Wait, wait wait a minute. Wind that one back. This all, this relationship, this whole thing happened after the pandemic was already in full gear. Yep. That's amazing. That is amazing. But it goes to show things here. Like, you know, like I've been now teaching for 20, I keep saying this and I feel so horrible, 20 years of doing this. And, and, you know, you do have your students who are now doctors and entrepreneurs and you know all these and, and everything in between here. It is one of those, just keep believing in your kids. Just keep working with your students. You never know where they're going to be. You never know what kind of support you're going to do. You never know what kind of partnerships you're going to do like that. Esther, but you're certainly not a, 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 uh, a stranger to bringing up um, amazing students like Ari here. Talk to us a little bit about some of the other things that you've done with your students. Uh, YouTube CEO. That's a, that's a, that's, that's a, that's a little accomplishment, right? <laughs> Yes. Well, my daughter, right. Susan, it's in the book. The story's in the book about what I did. But yes, it's not a straight path to the top. That's one thing I want all teachers and parents to know. You know, she, they try a lot of things out and some things work and some things don't. And so you want to support them so they can believe in themselves. It's part of that philosophy I have trick. It's in the book. Trust, respect, independence, collaboration, and kindness. You trust them, respect their ideas. Some of them are pretty wacky, by the way. Give them a lot of independence as much as possible. Collaborate and don't dictate. Stop all this dictating. Sometimes they know more than you do. And always treat them with kindness. You know, kids, kids might forget what you say in class, and they might forget what you did. But honestly, they'll never forget if you were kind to them. Ari, what have you learned from Esther? What can what advice can you give to anybody out there who's, you know, working with a partner, working collaboratively, or even in this case, working with a coach? How do you take those relationships to that next level? What advice do you have after working with somebody amazing like Esther? Well, I think the most important is really just belief and self-confidence in yourself. And that's really complicated and hard and messy. And it's really hard to help other people or build anything if you aren't yourself in a position where you feel self-confident and good about, you know, how you're doing. And so for me, it took me a while to actually have self-confidence in myself to start a company. And it took even a bit longer into even starting the company to have self-confidence in myself to know that I'm not an educator, but like, I'm capable of leading this company or I've never started a company and I'm capable of leading this company. And I think everybody finds themselves in these tricky situations where you're trying something new that you've never done. But if you can't ever do something you've never done, then that's going to be a really boring life and a really simple life. So you constantly need to be trying something new. And sometimes you're, you're your harshest critic. And for me, I came to realize the skills that I had built are transferable across so many different things. Mm. And what I don't have, I can make up for by asking for help. I'm not an educator, but I know one and I know a really good one. 
So I, I just think I would challenge everybody to think in that mindset of you're capable of doing anything if you believe in yourself and if you're willing to put in the hard work and deal with the messiness that comes along the way, the internal voice in your head, plus some roadblocks along the way. But you can also ask for help and look for people who've done it before. I think that for me was the biggest realization. I mean, it sounds really simple, but like- and it, it sometimes yeah, it's, is, it's, right? It sometimes is, right. Sometimes it's it's the simplest answer is that straight line. And, and you know, guys, look, I, I, obviously- PBL is a big thing, right? For coaches, I know I'm trying to bring project-based learning in. I have a lot of questions. That's why we're starting to do a lot of shows. Of you know, this is episode 163. Of anybody who's listening to this one as as the first time in, definitely go back and check out 162. We had our friend uh, James Fester coming on to talk about his uh, his new PBL book about how to do PBL in in environmental science. But Esther and Ari, as we look at all of this stuff. Is PBL accessible to every classroom? I'm starting off by working with our gifted and talented because it's a smaller group and those students can kind of take the catapult and run with it. But is it something that you can bring into all classrooms as a teacher, as a coach? I can say yes, it can be for all classrooms. I know it's easier to do it with kids that are gifted and talented, but it's a, it is amazing to see kids that are just regular kids who rise to the top and do amazing work when what Ari was just saying, when they believe in themselves, when they work on a project together with other kids and then it succeeds and then they feel so much more self-confident I have examples actually in my book of some kids that came from um, part of Palo Alto that was lower income. They felt very sort of bad about themselves. This one kid accidentally ended up in my class. They were all laned classes. And then by the time I realized that he was supposed to be in another class, he had already bonded. It was like, I'm not going anywhere. And I said, well, if you're going to stay in my class, you're going to have to do some extra work to be able to do it. Let me tell you, that kid did so much extra work, not to mention the fact that he then ended up getting a full ride, full scholarship as a senior. Wow. Wow. And never would have happened if he hadn't made that mistake and if he then didn't believe in himself and was able to achieve all the things he was dreaming about. And I, I would actually challenge people to change their paradigm of what is and what isn't project-based learning and who is and isn't capable of doing something more unstructured. Now, first and foremost, oftentimes we think of the high-tech highs or the uncommon schools or summits that they've built an entire curriculum that has taken you know years and it's long and it's involved and it has field trips and that is likely not accessible for most people, right? So I, I think we don't need to think of it in that capacity. Now, I would argue all kids are gifted and talented in some capacity, but the onus is on finding the topic or the project that captivates them and lets those talents shine. And that is the part that's difficult because in the conventional model, 
there's a lot of adult driven topics that come from a production process that actually doesn't involve the kids, right? So like, if they're not involved in the project selection or the project creation, and they're told this is project-based learning, well, they may not like it, right? Because right. it's not necessarily what they wanted or even in the way they wanted. And so that's where to, to, to kind of change your paradigm and think about how do you do things that students want to do, that students have shared interest in, and how have you helped them find those interests? But then also, how have you done it in a more accessible environment, a connected device, a normal classroom, not in a maker space or with years of professional development. And that's where that version of project-based learning, I do believe works for everybody. Esther, Ari, first of all, I want to say thank you so much for coming on. I hope you guys out there have a chance to check out the amazing uh, platform, tract.app, T-R-A-C-T.app. And of course, all the show notes and links and stuff are going to be over on Ask the Tech Coach. This is episode number 163. Before I let you go, you know, we are all looking forward to that day where we don't have to be saying the words because of COVID, the, the <laughs> pandemic. The, this day is going to come somehow where do you see the future of education and i'm asking specifically ari because he said on here numerous times and i'm sorry ari i disagree with what you said you have said i'm not an educator and i i disagree with that i think esther's laughing because i think she she disagrees with that too that's right but but then i want to have i want to end with esther's idea of where is education go doesn't have to be a pbl answer but ari where, where do you see education moving from your desk? Well, I think we've kind of moved from a, a, an economy standpoint and from a generational standpoint. You know, when I was growing up, we were just having access to the internet. I was in first grade. I was in one of the first classrooms that had access to the internet. It was, it was a tremendous experience. Like Newsweek covered it. And it's like, oh my gosh, we have this one clunky computer that's like connected to the internet and <laughs> trying to like get information, right? Like, it's like, whoa, you could like look this up. That has changed, okay? Like we are all connected, <laughs> the information is there. The burden now is on what, what do you do with all this information? Like, how do you curate it? What is true, what is not true? You don't necessarily need to know the theory on how to code. You just need to know how to cobble together the right things that other people have coded to create something new. So for me, I think the value of theory or the value of understanding things without real world applicability are just under pressure. There is no reward for understanding a lot of this theory. There is no reward for being very good at memorizing or doing repeated tasks. In fact, you know, repeated task jobs are specifically the ones that are being uh, mechanized and automated. Yep. Yep. So how is the system going to respond when the demand is very clear on the career side and on the employer side? We want creative, independent thinkers who can work together in teams, yet the curriculum is not quite producing that or incentivizing that behavior or really just allowing teachers the freedom to, to do a lot of those things. So I think there's gonna be a lot of pressure on that. I actually see what we're doing as like a form of vaccine in a way. I know it's a polarizing word to use where it's like, you know, at first you hear about it, you're like, should I take it, should I not take it? Like, what are the side effects? Like, 
what's it going to do? Is it going to protect us? Is it not going to protect us? But eventually, you know, time goes by and certain things become required, right? So it's always going to be fringe until it's not fringe. And that's kind of how I feel about teaching creativity and letting kids have a bit more freedom in how they're digesting information. And in doing so, they may be creating things, businesses, products at very, very young ages because the burden of what they need to learn to do that continues to go down and their capacity for learning these, these, these technology tools continues to go up. You are an educator, my friend. <laughs> that was great. Ari. You, you are definitely an educator and you are, you are changing the world. You are teaching the world and I wish you the best. And I hope that <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with tracked in the next 12, 24, 48, 63 months as we go through here, Esther, you, you are, equally changing the world have changed the world where what do you see as the future i'm gonna i'm gonna pause right here and i'm gonna give you the last word i think the future i agree with a lot of what ari said <clears throat> i think the future is with tech hopefully the future is going to be using tech more effectively in the classroom for students to learn how to search intelligently analyze the results of a search and make some intelligent choices. And they won't learn to do that unless they're practicing that on a regular basis. And so the future is innovation and creativity. We have a challenge for our entire planet and we cannot use the answers that solve problems from years ago to solve the problems today. We need people that can think independently, creatively, and we're only going to get those people if we give them that opportunity to think independently as young people in schools. And project-based learning and tracked will help move the needle in the right direction. So thank you so much for this incredible podcast. You asked the best questions, Jeff. Well, I want to say thank you one more time to Ari and Esther for coming on the show. You guys are welcome back on anytime. We love telling stories and I look forward to again having you on so I can share yours with our groups. And that wraps up episode number 163 of the Ask the Tech Coach podcast. Don't forget you can check us out over on askthetechcoach.com. Find us on Twitter at Ask the Tech Coach. And there's a lot of great things happening on our TeacherCast Tech Coaches Network. Head on over to askthetechcoach.com and sign up for free and join over 300 amazing instructional coaches all coming together to support each other as tech coaches often do so don't forget we are here each and every monday to support you guys and your communities and again that wraps up episode number 163 my name is jeff bradbury reminding you guys to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students you've been listening to ask the tech coach hosted by jeff bradbury of the TeacherCast educational network please reach out to the show with all of your questions on twitter at ask the tech coach or online at www.askthetechcoach.com be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and please take a moment to write a review in the app store